guessing like with one that big, they, people normally like camp out for the whole week and stuff. Oh my god, they they camp for like the summer <laughs> or like the fall. Yeah. Is it one? That, is it one that lasts that long? Then it goes until the end of this month. Wow. Um, I don't know when it started, hmm. but it's been it's been going for a while. Jeez. I know that. Yeah. That's commitment. <laughs> I guess they're like merchants and stuff, though, just like Renaissance oh, yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um, I don't know, like how they. I- I'm guessing they like lease space because like all the merchants have like an address. Mm. And there's a lot of like merchants that have like, hey, if you want to tip us, uh, we have Venmo. We we accept Lord Visa. Oh God. There, there, <laughs> I, there was there was one. It was like we accept uh, Lady Discover, Lord Visa, uh. and Mastercard. Uh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that uh, that geez. one got me. That yeah. that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's not bad, but it reminds me of one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> this movie, this joke has stuck with me for some reason, even. Before I really appreciated the movie, I think we've talked about the cable guy though with Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. And how it's like ultimately revisitable because it really wasn't understood in its time, I feel like, by the masses, certainly. And as a kid, I just <laughs> wanted to see Ace Ventura again, but that wasn't Ace Ventura. So, but there's the scene in Medieval Times when he asks for some silverware and Janine Garofalo is a waitress and she goes, There was no silverware in Medieval Times, therefore, there's no silverware <laughs> at Medieval Times. Would you like more Pepsi? <laughs> and I just thought that it's such a hilarious deadpan uh, delivery by Janine Garofalo. And it, it, so that reminds me of that. Like, you could have pulled it on them. Like, oh, uh, I know it's not what you speak of. There is no Venmo yeah. in this time. <laughs> Thankfully, like, and, and yeah, there are plenty of, like, Renaissance fairs that will, like, beat you over the head with, like, you need to be talking in uh... ye old English in the king's speak, sire. No, because, like, if you do that, they're just going to piss you off. That's mm. less money than that they're getting like, wh- <laughs> why why on earth would they do that you yeah know? yeah yeah I'm... <laughs> like no like no you you can tip them you, you can tip <laughs> them by by cash apping them like we watched a magic show and they're uh, an illusion show excuse me illusions and, michael and there's a sign it's like we accept cash app tips cash app rondini 619 i'm like oh christ <laughs> all right yeah I mean, uh, <laughs> medieval times are great, but we got a nice whole banking system now, so <laughs> why not use it? <laughs> All right, should we get going? I guess. All yeah. right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. <laughs> it's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 9, Episode 15, The Wizard, not the Fred Savage video game classic uh. from the late 80s, I'm going to guess. Um which I, I do love that movie, but no, um, it is season nine, episode 15. Before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Strong Box. We really only had, oh, we had little two little pieces of homework and some extra credit and then, of course, trivia and tidbits and stuff. So George telling, Jerry tells George that it's not like launching a nuclear weapon and you don't, both people don't have to turn their keys, but Mora says that breaking <laughs> up is like a nuclear launch and both people have to turn their keys. So he yells at her, turn your key, turn your key, sir. Does he say sir? Now I don't even remember. I feel like he uh... did. Oh, no. He just yells, turn your key, Mora. Turn your key. But he says it very emphatically. Well, then I'm going to have to ask you to turn your key. I'm sorry, George. I can't do that. Turn your key, Mora. <laughs> turn your key. And it is, I'm going to say this is a reference to the opening scene of the 1983 teen Cold War adventure War Games with oh, Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. 
So in the very beginning of the movie, John Spencer, who went on to uh, great success in the West Wing, uh, he plays Captain Jerry Lawson and Michael Madsen from Reservoir Dogs and Kill Bill and Free Willy. He plays Lieutenant Steve Phelps, and they're given a command to launch nuclear weapons, and Spencer gets cold feet, and Madsen implores him, turn your key! Turn your key, sir! So I'm going to say that that uh, that is a reference to war games. So it, then, so that's from 1983. Then it was referenced in this episode from 1998. Then in 2007's animated feature B movie, when Barry oh. Barry B Benson wins the case against the humans and they have to stop eating honey, <laughs> the bees start making too much honey, so they shut down honey production. One bee oh. yells. One oh bee yells, God. stop making honey, and another bee points at another bee and goes, turn your key, sir. So Jerry loves war games, is what I found <laughs> out. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jerry just can't help himself but reference 1983's war games. Um, and it is. I, I like that movie, too. I haven't seen it in a while, and just watching that opening sequence really made me want to watch it again and i one of my favorite t-shirts is the the nuclear command launch screen from war games you know that, that's where do you want to play a game comes from and there's a list like chess falklands maze global thermonuclear war was one of the games too and uh matthew broderick is uh it, it's great because it's like an 80s hacker movie and so he literally has to pick up his hand phone receiver and put it on a modem have you ever seen that? No. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking it up on Just Watch Now to see if it's streaming on anything, and it doesn't look like it is. Before modems were actually integrated, like, you could plug this thing into your, and then plug this thing into your computer, and then it had, like, a cradle, like, you'd hang up a phone on, only the phone would stay connected, and it would, and you could dial out, and your computer would communicate with other computers around the world, but the, it wasn't integrated in the computer. It was, uh, so he, like, does stuff like changes his grades, but then he finds this backdoor into NORAD. And accidentally launches nuclear weapons. Has to figure out how to stop them. So, is, is this the same thing as like what was what was the movie Red Dawn? No, because Red Dawn is about a Russian invasion, right? But it was but but it was kind of the same thing because there were a lot of Cold War movies made around the okay. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it, and and Red Dawn was the one of like the kids playing the game that they didn't know was like an actual like military oh, sequence or something. Is that it? Are we getting them confused? Red Dawn is the you know the the high schoolers all band together to like save their dads from the prison camp and because the Russians like literally invade America. What you're talking about reminds me of Ender's Game. That's not what you're talking about, is it? Because that wasn't no, really a Cold War deal. That was like a uh, like a futuristic sci-fi. But I can't I can't think of. It sounds familiar. I don't know. Does anyone know what we're talking about? <laughs> If you do, let us know. Yeah, please let us know. Because <laughs> um, that does sound familiar, but the, now I can't think of anything else but Ender's Game. And that wasn't made until, you know, very recently, within the past 10 years, probably. I'm going to I'm gonna highball it because, as we talked about in, I guess, was it our Patreon episode recently? Like, 10 years ago was the 90s to me, so I'll say 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was our Transylvania app. Yeah. <laughs> so what about that tan actress? Who plays the woman that... George attempts to cheat on Mora with to end the relationship, but is unsuccessful. That is Ileana Douglas, and she is an actress. She's been in a ton of stuff. I wasn't really able to discern what I know her from. She's worked with Martin Scorsese a ton, and they even dated for a very long time. She's appeared in memorable roles as Gary Shandling, one of Gary Shandling's love interests toward the end of the series The Larry Sanders Show in 98. In 99, she was on the show Action with Jay Moore, which I know has come up. 
She played a television executive who started out as a prostitute who had more as a regular customer. Uh, she she guest starred not only on Seinfeld, but also on Frasier, The Drew Carey Show. She's been on several episodes of Law & Order SVU, two episodes of Six Feet Under, both of which earned Emmy nominations for Guest Actress in a Drama. And she appeared as Mrs. Ari's sister, Marcy, in the season seven finale of Entourage. So... I remember watching that. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's what I know her from. Uh, she is in. She was in Stir of Echoes and Ghost World. Again, I've seen both of those movies. She was on an episode of Marin as herself. She was on the Simpsons 30th season finale back in 2019 as someone who owns like a hippie style store. And at the Walt Disney Resort in the Disney's Hollywood Studios theme park, she plays Aerosmith's manager in the pre-show video for the Rock and Roller Coaster. Hell yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that is that's why I saved it for last cuz it's my favorite credit of hers. <laughs> and uh I, I I think that that might be coming to an end actually. I I think uh very soon it is no longer going to be the Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster. I'm not surprised. I mean, it's been a good run, but it's always weird when you go to a theme park and they have something that's like unfathomably outdated like that. You know, it's like, I mean, look, yeah. Aerosmith rocks. Don't get me wrong, but do we really still need this ride? You know, like <laughs> like going to um, Kings Dominion was always in Virginia, where I near where I live, was always like that because it was a Paramount park, and so all of their rides were based on movies. But that meant for like a million years there was a Days of Thunder ride where where you like sat in this chair and it was like you're going around a NASCAR thing. And, like, I don't know when that movie came out, but certainly by the time I was at King's Dominion, I was like, Days of Thunder? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> like, whenever we were at Universal for the honeymoon, like, everything is pretty much, like, up to date. Yeah. Like, they just got done updating the Jurassic Park ride into the Jurassic World ride. Nice. Which, A+, plus, great ride. The Transformers ride is up to date, like, with the newer movies. There's a Mummy Returns ride, which, okay. Mm, that's could, getting back could, there. Could, could, <laughs> is getting back there a little bit. The only thing that is, like, very outdated, but I honestly hope they never get rid of it, is Waterworld. They, uh, they still have the Waterworld stage show, but it's, yeah. like... At this point, it's transcended the whole legacy <laughs> of the Kevin Costner movie. Like now, the, what now? Waterworld is the stage show. Yeah, it's not the movie. The, the movie was based on the stage show. At this point, <laughs> is what you're <laughs> yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, the, the stage show was great. I bet. Yeah, yeah. And at least like Jurassic. If there still was a Jurassic Park ride, I would give that a pass because that's such a an iconic moment in cinema history that something like Days of Thunder was definitely not, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but, but I, so I'd put the mummy returns in the same category as like a Days of Thunder ride. If they wanted to brand it Jurassic Park forever. That would be completely understandable, but yeah. And then Waterworld is its own animal. That's like, that's such a weird moment in cinema history that I feel like it deserves something iconic like a never-ending stage show a stage show with a never-ending run <laughs> did you when you were there did you plug to them land world and like try to get no. <laughs> oh man i totally should have i should have like just gone up to the actors yeah. and actresses unsolicited because i'm sure that's their favorite is to get unsolicited pitches get, movie pitches. Uh, un unsolicited movie pitches that yeah. are less than half-baked but like they could do anything about it too. But I think yeah, once yeah. once we're able to finance Land World, I say we save money by not hiring Kevin Costner, but hiring the actor who plays the Kevin Costner part in 
the stage show. <laughs> and then we'll get them to change the stage show. And instead of water, like dirt <laughs> will just cover everything. the cleanup. They're going to be able to do like one show a week because the cleanup is going to be such a monster. <laughs> like dirt everywhere. My, I had a friend who played Leonardo DiCaprio in some sort of, uni- like down in Florida, at some sort of Universal Pictures stage show that like, I think it was like a Halloween stage show that combined a bunch of movies. Because he also played John Connor in like a Terminator stage show. So he did a, a he had a couple of uh, good Universal gigs there. But Leonardo DiCaprio always cracked me up because he looks nothing like you. You have to be in like the last <laughs> row of the, as much as I love my buddy Nick, uh, he looks nothing like Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> 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 Not even the person in the last row, I think, would go, oh, wow, so realistic. He's here. <laughs> um, but uh, so I did some extra credit on the caseworker actress that you recognized uh, as from Nickelodeon's iCarly. Yes. Her name is Mary Shear in real life. But I'm surprised you forgot, having remembered her from iCarly, your, your brain was probably like, that's it. No need to think anymore about this. But <laughs> she was part of the original cast of Mad TV. Oh, my God. Yeah. I totally blacked that out. Yeah. In 1995, wow. Shear developed characters like Chainsmoker Mrs. Jewel Barone, whose catchphrase, according to Wikipedia, was, oh, yeah, there it is. Hilarious. <sighs> that that hilarious. Uh, Cabana chat host Dixie Wetsworth, whose catchphrase was, you like, I like. Again, brilliant, brilliant comedy moment. I mean, reading catchphrases <laughs> totally out of context, If it's not going to be funny. She played Connie Linder in the Joel and Connie sketches, Debbie Dander, <laughs> Lily Dawn in Joe and Lily Dawn sketches, and she played killer grandma Mrs. Vigor. All right. Um, All right. Give it up for Mary <laughs> Shear, everybody. I don't know if she's related to Paul Shear. It didn't say that she was, but. Uh, Is it spelled the same? S C H E E R, yeah. I think that's the uh, hmm. I think that's how he spells it. Uh she was also and you know what she she kind of looks like him now that I'm thinking about it, but I'm probably just reading too much into it. But she was also she also did a ton of impressions like uh Janet Reno, US Attorney General at the time, Demi Moore, Susan Sarandon, Kathy Griffin, interestingly enough, Fran Drescher, Scary Spice, Jerry Hollowell. Uh oh no, I'm sorry, G- um, um Ginger Spice, Jerry Hollowell, sometimes known as Sexy Spice as well. Other imprison uh Barbara Streisand in the Mad TV spoof Terms of Imprisonment, and she also played Dana Scully in the XXX Files sketch. Um, And then during the second season, she got pregnant, but she continued to perform on the show. And then she gave birth and finished the second and third seasons before leaving in 98. Uh, And then she went back to children's TV. She was in Bunked on the Disney Channel for a while, I guess. And she voiced every female character on most extreme elimination challenge you wow. remember that yeah okay <laughs> she was in I, I, this is where i probably recognize her from geico commercials i i bet i i bet i've seen her geico commercials family guy king of the hill an episode of hey arnold and oh get this i'm glad i looked her up because she also played joan in season six episode 17 of seinfeld the kiss hello one of jerry's neighbors who goes in for the kiss hello uh, oh my in, god in scenes yeah so it, and it also it doesn't well i guess her name is joan and i think she has a name in this one too but i believe it's like mrs something so it may be the same character you know what i mean i'd like to think that you know it's just she happens to be a welfare caseworker who lives in jerry's building you know <laughs> okay yeah uh, she only has a last name mrs smoth so i'm gonna say her name is joan smoth and and that's it she's a caseworker who lives in jerry's building and and likes it goes in for the kiss hello. So here's some trivia and tidbits from the episode. The original title was The Buzzer, which I don't like. 
uh, and I guess it was just named that because, you know, Kramer breaks the buzzer at some point, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the episode. Yeah. Kramer mentions that he was in the army and keeps his military discharge papers in his strong box. In real life, Michael Richards was drafted in 1970 into the army. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. I had no idea. He was trained as a medic and was stationed in West Germany before being honorably discharged. So he served out his his term, and then boom, that was it. This is the second of only two episodes in which Jerry can be seen using the computer in his apartment. The first, I'm, I'm sure I mentioned it at the time, was uh, the season five episode, The Stall. So in this one, he also sits down and he, I think he starts doing something to the computer and then the phone rings or something. <laughs> but yeah, so that's it. No more computer usage. And really in both instances, I, I think it was a different computer because he used to have that big boxy one and now he has that flat panel one on his desk. A much smaller monitor. Uh, a note, I, f I saw this note on IMDb that I wish I would have brought up when we were talking about it, but I will now. Um, uh, in the episode, George thinks to himself that ginger ale in the coffee shop is just Coke and Sprite mixed together, but how can I prove it? And that actually has a name, bartender ginger ale. It's a common technique used when either the bar doesn't have ginger ale, which a lot of bars don't, or they're just out of it. They'll just mix Coke and Sprite and pass it off as ginger ale. Uh, and Yeah, and I've always hated that because it is not the same thing. You know, I, I don't know if <laughs> If I've ever had bartender ginger ale. Now I kind of want to try it. Um, man. Oh, speaking of uh, trying stuff, did you get the thing I sent you? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. So okay, I text him a photo. Uh, I don't know how long ago we mentioned this, but when we were talking about clearly Canadian, is is that what it was called? Clearly yes. Canadian? Yeah. Because Jerry yeah. and Elaine are holding it. It's definitely product placement at the time. Oh, absolutely. And we went into like the whole like in-depth thing with uh, Clearly Canadian and Retin Link. Yes. It was, a, it was a whole back and forth. Well, Clearly Canadian is now available in all Kroger supermarkets. Wow. Which are near me now. I, yeah. I think you have a couple Krogers near you as well, right? I don't think so. I haven't seen one anyway. We haven't lived oh, near Kroger man. for a while. Yeah. Let me see. Is it just a Southern thing? You know, we had them. We have them in Virginia, and we had them in Mississippi. At least I think we had them in Virginia. We definitely had them in Mississippi. They kind of took over like our local grocery store. They bought a they bought a local chain and really started proliferating. But I want to say that I have seen that around here in, in another local store. Is it a Kroger only thing? And I'm just misremembering. At least this ad that I saw was, "Hey, you can get clearly Canadian once again, available in all Krogers." Okay. So maybe it's available in other places, but I know for a fact that Kroger is stocking it. And it looks yeah. like the closest Kroger to you is going to be in Weirton, West Virginia. Uh, so okay. about about 30 miles away. Uh, I, I doubt you want to make a 30 minute drive for some clearly Canadian. No, but it looks like you can get a whole case for like 30 bucks on Amazon. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get a whole case. I just want to <laughs> see if I can get a single bottle, you know? Yeah. I mean, it really is the time for them to come back because oh my God, seltzers yeah. are the, the seltzers are everywhere. Yeah. Nostalgia has never been higher than it is right now. Yeah, it's it's time for a come. Yeah, especially because you know all the millennial women who are drinking clearly or drinking seltzers now remember clearly Canadian. You know, so I, I'll, I'll look for it. But I'm guessing it's just gonna you know taste like a seltzer. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But if yeah, if we see it, maybe we can uh, we, maybe we can try it. But it was in the Wigmaster, by the way. Season seven's the Wigmaster. I looked ah, it up. Ah, yeah. okay, yeah. okay. Which had another? Is that the one with another Mad TV cast member? Isn't that the one with? Is Michael McDonald in that? No, no. Um, <laughs> it's the guy with that uh, that redheaded guy. I forget. It, he's not. Wait, I think Michael McDonald is in it, isn't he? 
Oh my god. I oh. I'll look it up. Hang on. Cuz I swear that Yes, Michael McDonald as Jesse and Patrick Bristow was the wig master. He was not on uh, he's a recognizable actor but he was not on Mad TV, but Michael McDonald is one of the guys wow. hanging out with the wig master. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's uh that's Michael McDonald's second time on the show. I yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh god. Yes. <laughs> Here's more. Oh, uh, here's another movie reference that we didn't pick up on. Kramer's line that Fredo was weak and stupid when talking about Phil's parrot. Fredo was weak and stupid. You know, he shouldn't have eaten the key. That's a nod to The Godfather Part Two, in which Al Pacino says the line, Fredo has a good, good heart, but he is weak and stupid about his brother. Fredo Corleone, huh. yeah. <laughs> so, Godfather reference, which Jerry also loves. Here's more evidence. Uh, as to the episodes happening in real time sometimes they are sometimes you know it seems like they're not but um the date on fredo's gravestone is february 2 1998 five days after this episode's original airing so they kind of (laughs) nailed yeah they you know in production they're like i I think it'll probably air around this time and so they kind of nailed it uh we do have a deleted scene in this episode jerry returns to his apartment finding that kramer has trashed it in search of a good hiding place for his strongbox key I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of okay with that being. We got enough of Kramer hiding the key to make it funny, you yeah. know, to get the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and thank you to at John Harrelson on Twitter who tweeted at us at No Hugging and let us know that this episode had another one-time character named Allison. Glenn's wife is named Allison, and there are at least five Allisons throughout the series. He says. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many more are left. I don't know if this is the last one. But there's, this is one of the at least five episodes that have a one-time character named Allison. It's kind of weird, though, that that name pops up a lot. Because you figure of all the names, like, what's the deal with Allison? What's the deal with Allison? Um, <laughs> you know, who was who was so hung up on that name that they kept coming back to it? I'd love to know. I have another I have another icebreaker for Jerry Seinfeld, since we don't have the same name. I can ask him. <laughs> I, I even forget, what was my original icebreaker? I don't remember now. Probably something about B-Movie. I always come up with these dumb questions to ask Jerry Seinfeld. Now I'm going to blank on all of them and just say what a huge fan I am. Oh, what a huge fan I am. I love I love No Super You. That's my favorite. <laughs> what are you doing? You I'm going to be like Ralphie in A Christmas Story. What? <laughs> Football? <laughs> what? Soup Nazi? Soup I hate Nazi? that episode. It's not that great. Why did I say that? <laughs> it's overrated. Uh, and that is uh, that's everything all right um any other news or anything i think i found something i haven't read it it's an article on screen rant Mm. seinfeld season three has a george plot hole created by netflix oh yeah i saw that well what's the deal what's the deal What's the deal with the plot hole created by Netflix? Seinfeld season three has a continuity error on Netflix, and here's why that is. In the season three episode, The Stranded, Jerry, George, and Elaine attend a party on Long Island where George becomes closer to Ava, a woman who works in his office. Eventually, George takes the trio's car to leave with Ava for the evening, stranding Jerry and Elaine at the house. They're stuck there until well into the night, waiting for Kramer, who got lost, to pick them up. A curious plot point in The Stranded is George starting a romantic relationship with the woman he works with. The episode is clearly set at a time where he is still at the real estate job he had at the beginning of the series. However, by the time Seinfeld Season 3 premiered, George was unemployed, having quit his job in the Season 2 episode, The Revenge. Larry David was known for being a stickler for continuity, so at first glance, this seems like a glaring oversight. However, there's a good reason for the alleged mistake. The Stranded was an episode that was actually produced for Seinfeld Season 2. It didn't air during that year because David didn't like how it turned out, so it was put on the shelf. The decision was made to run it as part of Seinfeld Season 3. To explain the continuity error to the audience, Jerry Seinfeld recorded a short intro to the episode, which was attached to its original airing on NBC. What's interesting is the strand
Stranded was included on the Seinfeld Season 1 and 2 DVD set in its correct canonical place as Season 2's ninth episode. It's unknown why this wasn't maintained for the Netflix release, where The Stranded is categorized as Season 3, Episode 10. The episode's placement in Seinfeld on Netflix could be a bit jarring to viewers, especially since the preceding episode, The Nose Job, references George's unemployment status. Hmm. In The Nose Job, George is amazed to be dating a woman despite not working, and he fails a job interview due to spinach being stuck in his mm-hmm. teeth. Ah, uh, so okay. Oh, okay. Wait, did we um did we cover the stranded in season three or was that season two? Great question. Where I... did Hulu have it at? Because that's when we were watching it on Hulu. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we covered the stranded as season three, episode ten. Interesting. Yeah, we right we had to have brought the, we had to have brought this up then, right? I would hope so, but yeah, this is the exact kind of thing that. I just never took into account watching it in chrono, you know, in in a chronological order. You know, watching it whenever I felt like it. I, I just never kind of noticed, and and I'm surprised that they would go to such lengths as to say, you know, just because just because the show do- doesn't have that big of a overarching story. It's sort of you know, I, I just didn't. I never knew that he was a stickler for continuity because it doesn't yeah. seem like a continuity type show. You know. <laughs> God. Maybe we did. Maybe you noticed. If anybody noticed it, though, I would say you probably would, because you'd go, "Wait a second, he was unemployed in the last episode. What is he talking about?" <laughs> Somebody go back and listen to that for us. Get our intern on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, other than uh, other than that article, um, I told you about this. I, I teased it a little bit on our Transylvania Six Five Thousand episode. That oh boy, with Seinfeld now available to stream on Netflix. People just discovering the show are finding all the problems with it in modern society from from a modern viewpoint, mm-hmm. and the Seinfeld subreddit does not like it. Oh, yeah, does yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is exactly what we've been doing for three years now. And I just see, like, these posts pop up. Like, I, I saved a couple of them just so I could, like, read through a few. Uh, this one posted a couple of days ago, titled "Staring at a 15-year-old's cleavage." Mm. <laughs> don't get, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not a prude person. I know young girls can look hot to men, even. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I can't, I can't even. Okay, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try again. <clears throat> I know young girls can look hot to men, even good men who would never sleep with an underage girl. But this scene is kind of funny to see because it would never fly today. I'm actually glad they kept it for Netflix because it seems like the type of thing that would be erased from history. Jeez. I don't know where that guy stands, actually. Very I, confusing. I don't know. He's very back and forth. He's fighting an internal um, battle, yeah. Uh, this one, uh, that that has uh, 213 upvotes. Huh. This one has uh, 732. Larry and Jerry would hate what this sub has become. Ooh. Every, ever since the switch to Netflix, this sub is overrun with posts about the morality of the characters. Was this person an asshole for this? Who was a good person? Who was a bad person? Why did this person do this? Was this action moral? What was the worst thing someone did, etc.? Is this thing is this from the influx of new viewers? You're missing the point of the show completely. Larry has said many times that the one thing and I I I, I zoned out at this point, but he did mention <laughs> the motto of no hugging, no learning oh, wow. wasn't because everyone is an asshole. It's because they thought the shows that did that weren't funny. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I totally zoned out and then zoned back in. I'm like, wait, is he talking about us? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with that guy, but you can take out the word what and just stop after sub. So Larry and Jerry would hate this sub. Yes. All the time. Absolutely. From the beginning of time to the end of time. <laughs> yeah. Not be, not because like you're going to a white knight and fucking 
uh, defend your precious little show from any new viewers. Larry no, and Jerry would totally be my friend, but oh, they're, they're, not now. <laughs> they're, they're gonna they're gonna hate you as well as all the new people. Yes. Like they're, they're gonna hate everyone. Yeah, I guarantee uh, you, they think you suck. <laughs> oh boy, but yeah, I I've been enjoying like seeing all of those pop up like on my on my Reddit front page. Mm-hmm. I'm like. <laughs> It it just gets like a quick chuckle out of me. Yeah, it's entertaining. I haven't seen the like cancel Seinfeld, um, you know, uh, campaign pop up yet, though. I think we're going <laughs> to avoid it. If we've made it this far. Um. All right. Well, if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research heavy show, despite the last thirty four minutes being uh, research and homework and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode, as though we are giving ourselves homework. Uh, I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description. Uh, also in the description, you will find a link to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging. We just wrapped up Halloween month with our <laughs> review of Transylvania 6 5000. And I said this whenever I tweeted it out. I-, I think it might be my favorite thing that we've recorded. I don't know. I-, I just had a lot of fun, like, A, watching the movie, but B, discussing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, much better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be an absolute, like, <laughs> piece of shit. And it, was, it wasn't. It was um, If you want, like, our full thoughts about it, uh, check us out. Patreon.com slash nohugging. You can get all the content for five bucks a month. Um, even if you just try it out for a month, I, you can probably listen to everything. Yeah. <laughs> At this yeah, point. Sure. Yeah. Do it now. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, uh, subscribe and then unsubscribe immediately, but Hey, if you, <laughs> if you want to, I'm, there's literally nothing I can do to stop you. <laughs> but if you don't want to give us any money, you can give us a five-star rating or a written review on Apple podcasts. And we will send you a no hugging, no learning sticker free of charge while supplies last. Just need your mailing address with that. And we will also give you a shout out. If you give us a review like a Smith 780 did, they wrote excellent show. If you've watched Seinfeld and haven't listened to this podcast, then what are you doing with your life? Stop reading this review and give this podcast a listen. Nice. So yeah, thank you. A Smith 780. If you send us your Mailing address will get you one of those stickers. All right. All that being said, season nine, episode 15, The Wizard. Original air date, February 26th, 1998. Three weeks after our last episode. Jeez. What are we, we have are... second Winter Olympics? <laughs> no, uh, this is this is the Winter Olympics, though. Oh, this we... is the Winter Olympics. Break. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You mentioned, yeah, that's right. That's right. I mentioned it at the, the end, end of last week. End of last, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but although we, we do get... Uh, like you alluded to last week, being the last season, they're just like, okay, yeah, fuck it. New episode <laughs> yeah. every every month yeah. or something. We're, we're milking this for all it's worth. We do get another decent break. Oh. We'll get into that later. I was five years, two months, six days old at the time this episode came out. And if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, Tim, we have eight episodes Jeez. until we become a... A... Cold War only movie podcast. I don't know. <laughs> the okay. movies of yeah. the Cold War era. And... Do they have to be about the Cold War or just like I in think... the Cold War time period? I think about the Cold War would probably. Yeah. We could probably get a lot of material out of that. 
I think so. I'd be surprised we, if there wasn't one already that studied this kind of stuff. I'm sure there is. There's, <laughs> there are podcasts about everything. But I just want to have I, a reason to watch War Games again. Is there anybody from <laughs> Seinfeld in it? That'd be great. Um. Okay, so if you are looking at TV Guide, the night of February 26th, 1998, you are going to see Kramer retires to Florida, and there is... There's air quotes in that because there's quotes in the actual description. Kramer retires in Florida, period. Jerry buys Morty a gadget, period. George lies about a house in the Hamptons, period. Mm. Elaine wonders if her boyfriend is black. Okay. I feel like we'll be able to make it better because it gives away a lot. I feel like we can just delete some, just tease it a little bit better when we get to the end. So we'll see if we can do that. Uh, The cold open is at Monk's and George, how poorly has this quote aged he says when do they he's looking at a newspaper and he goes when are they going to realize any news about china is an instant page turner oh my god (laughs) holy shit china's never going to become the supreme superpower of the earth so geez boring george if you'd have paid attention in 98 who knows what trouble we could be out of now so thanks a lot but also i find the the phrase page turner out of place because when something's a page turner that means oh i can't wait to see how it ends you know like oh my gosh yeah <laughs> there's got to be a better term for that because i was like wait does he mean it's really interesting and he can't wait to read it that does that's not what it looks like <laughs> yeah because he he feigning disgust yeah really yeah he's like bored you know any news about china is an instant page turner but you know if something is a page turner you love it so Jer- jerry meanwhile is playing with a wizard electronic or electric organizer electronic organizer <laughs> that he got for his dad's birthday and it was 200 bucks but he's gonna tell him it was like 50 and because his dad likes getting a deal better than even what the gift is and he might even tell him he got it on the street Uh, and so that's that's his favorite if it's hot um (laughs) and i i just got to point out how big of a deal these things actually were in the 90s like little little calculators with full keyboards and stuff like that palm pilots that kind of like some of them had little styluses that you could even write on, like um, like that Simpsons gag, uh, beat up Martin, eat up Martha, that whole thing. You know, like that was based on some sort of Apple Palm, and, and like they didn't really do anything except you had to like enter manually all this information into them. And I guess you know, I guess they kept track of things for you, like alarms and and uh, important dates and things like that. But later on, he says something that that stuck out to me that I'm like that that doesn't sound possible, but I'll get to that later. But these were, I mean, they were absolutely the the thing to have before cell phones actually did anything like a cell phone used to just have if it had a display at all it just displayed the number you were dialing yeah so like these were what self you know what cell phones eventually became and and much better than that but they were just like the gap if you had one of these things oh you were connected (laughs) you were tech savvy george got a message from the rosses which it kind of sticks out to him because he hasn't talked to them since the funeral (laughs) i know which was like two seasons ago it feels like. And he's like, you know, I, I get the feeling they blame me for what happened to Susan. And Jerry's response here is so funny. He's like, what? Just because you picked out those cheap envelopes? It's silly. I love that <laughs> delivery. Just his like, it, it's so deli- like silly. Uh, it was great. And Elaine comes in or Elaine has been there with a new guy, Daryl. And I love this, too. She introduces Jerry and George as some people I know. The, her closest friends in the world. <laughs> I just that's so in like like that's such a great thesis statement for the entire run of the series. You know, we've been with these people for nine years, and and she, who knows how long she know, knew them before we joined the gang, and she's still introducing them to 
this guy as some people I know. <laughs> not not even my friends. Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> so Jerry says, like, I, you know, asks about Putty, and she's like, oh, his answering machine's broken, so I just gave up. <laughs> so I love the them explaining why they're not together. Maybe they've even got together and broken up since the last episode, but now it's over because she can't leave a message for him <laughs> and get a hold of him. But she's asked Jerry, she's like, what do you think? And he goes, what, about you dating a black guy? And she's like, Elaine is unaware that he is black and George says he's not but we get the first of a great runner in this whole episode I forget who asked it I think it's George going should, should we be talking about this because they're all are discussing whether or not Daryl actually is black Elaine says it would be nice to know and Jerry keeps like prodding her insinuating that she needs to know it would make a huge difference whether he is or isn't uh, and I think he was mostly joking about this just to make, you know, just because he knows Elaine is this like socially conscious, the most so- socially conscious probably of at least the people at that table. I won't say that I won't put Kramer in that group because I think he might give Elaine a run for her money. Uh, I think he's probably a pretty liberal guy. But then a an African-American waitress comes over to get the check and they all start loading it up with cash. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so weird for George. I know. I know. But the only thing that, you know, makes him spend money is if somebody would think poorly of him. I guess he's fine with, like, barely ever leaving a tip because he's never there when they find it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but this is this is such a great example and such a funny example now that I'm older. Like, when I was younger, I probably didn't even understand this. But it's such funny, like, white, coastal, elite, liberal guilt, if I could use all of Rush Limbaugh's favorite, <laughs> uh, favorite adjectives. <laughs> so because like the waitress has nothing to do with anything except that she is african-american and they're like uh you, you know what here's some money we're sorry about what we were talking about you didn't you didn't you weren't even around for it but we we need to make up for this <laughs> in jerry's apartment george is returning the ross's message this was so funny jerry does some great acting in this just in the first like five minutes of this episode because i loved when he said that's silly and here when george goes uh susan's friend and jerry makes a frowny like oh no 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 <laughs> face but there's a foundation event the, the susan ross foundation is having an event they'd like to, george to be there but george makes up a story on the spot about leasing a place in the hamptons and he has to go out there to sign the papers but otherwise he'd love to be there and as he tells and i like this uh, when he says house in the hamptons jerry also goes a nice you know as if he's actually buying a house in the hamptons but um he's just impressed at the lie and 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 george even extends that joke by saying i've been lying about my income for a while i figured i could afford a fake house <laughs> Uh, Kramer comes in and he's celebrating because his coffee table book has been optioned for a movie. And George asks how they're going to make a movie out of a book of coffee tables. He's like, well, remember that book of retro laser guns? Independence Day? Jesus uh, yeah, Christ. <laughs> Which is a pretty good dig on Independence Day, I gotta say. As much <laughs> as I love that movie, it's pretty funny. Like, that big, dumb alien movie. It was just based on a book full of old, old, laser, gu- old laser gun toys. But since Kramer is making such bank from this deal, he is retiring. We get some more great lines from Jerry. From what? (laughs) Um, He's like, you won't see me working for quite some time. And Jerry's like, you know, I've never seen you work for quite some time or something like that. (laughs) And and Kramer bought himself something, uh, a gold watch for his retirement. And this I thought was funny, too. Like, the uh, the three friends kind of do a bit together because he's like a gold watch. And Jerry and George go, ooh. And then Kramer turns around again. He's like, it's not real gold. And they go, aww. (laughs) (laughs) 
we get an exterior of Daryl's apartment, which uh, is at 6 West 77th Street. It, In fact, if you go on Google Maps, it has the exact same awning as you'll see in this episode. I just No way. Yeah, that's happened like two or three times pretty recently. And I just can't believe how little the awnings change in New York City. It seems like something, especially in nice buildings, they just throw up every now and then. But this one uh, looks exactly the same. And it is in an absolutely amazing part of town. I mean, it is at Central Park West and 77th. It is directly across the street from the Natural History Museum. It is a building from 1928, 15 stories, 102 units. For sale right now, Ted, number 4D. It is a one-bedroom, one-bathroom. How much do you think that's going for? Oh, God. I've been so bad at this lately. One bed, one bath. Yeah. Twenty eight hundred. Oh, you're going monthly on me? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Is, is it is it for sale? This is a sale. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, one point four mil. So close. One point one. Oh, yeah. damn! I, I was know. really close. Super okay. close. Unbelievably close. Yeah. And and here's what the monthly payment would be if you're able to put. Here's what they say the minimum you can put down is because this has like a condo board and everything. Like I was reading through on this, they're like, there's there's a bathroom and there's a place for an in unit washer dryer, if you oh, get the yeah. permission of the board to 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 put one in. I'm like, holy crap! You have to like ask these people if you can please put board. Yeah, please please my board. board. But these condo boards, you know, they can like even if you have to like meet with them and impress them uh, in order to even buy the place like they won't even let you buy it if they don't like you it's, it's crazy but if you're able to put down five hundred and fifty thousand dollars which is you, i guess you have to put down like half the price of the you condo? have to put down 50 percent. yeah and Holy it's a, shit. it said 50 percent minimum on the when i was looking at their little mortgage calculator on this site um and so that comes out to forty nine hundred dollars a month would be your mortgage and that's only because it includes a $2,500 a month maintenance fee. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So most of your mortgage payment is this monthly maintenance fee that pays for like the gym and all the staff, I'm guessing, and just all the, I mean, you know, you're going to be taken care of in this building, but you're going to pay for it. Cause I'm guessing even after you pay your mortgage, you still owe that 2,500 every month, which is just insane to me. But you know, that that's why they're like, you better be able to put $550,000 down right now. <laughs> if you even, you know, want a meeting with the board about God. whether we're going to let you in uh, and have fun doing your laundry somewhere else <laughs> for that much money, $1.1 million. Uh, let me see. Oh, number 7F just went for sale. Oh, it's under contract right now. That is a two-bedroom, two-bath, and that's $1.8 million. So you're not really – you might as well go for the two-bedroom, two-bath if you can because you're not really paying that much more for it, you know, for that yeah, extra bedroom and bathroom. I'd say go yeah. for it. And it's it's going to improve your, your quality of life. Definitely. Too. A- anything with an extra bathroom – is so much yes, better. Yeah. And, and this one, I'm guessing, because they said for the one bedroom, one bath, they're like, you know, it, it's pedicure acceptable. And that's uh, that means like, you know, the apartment inside the city, like you have a place in the suburbs and then you have an apartment in the city in case you're, you know, you go to a Broadway show or you're working late and you don't want to take the train all the way back to the burbs or whatever. <laughs> you have you, you have a one point one million dollar apartment that you can go to. And, and I'm guessing some buildings don't like that. Like, if you're not going to live here, we don't want you buying this place. But this is... Oh, and it's pet-friendly, too. Fucking better oh, nice. be. nice. $1.1 million. Yeah. $4,900 a month uh, until I die. Yeah, so... But this is where Daryl lives. So... And we do find out later, it, he 
he must have been able to afford it. Uh, Elaine hears some hip hop coming from the hallway and she goes, oh, okay." She kind of gives that face. And when she, you know, when Daryl answers the door, she's like, hey, great music. Uh, And he's like, oh, it's my neighbor. I hate it. And then he bangs on the door and he goes, yo, yo, turn it down. Did Daryl do a black scent? I think he did. I think he did. Yeah. I mean, in in the context of the episode, yeah, yeah. we don't know if he's doing a black scent here. Right. So, I don't know. I know. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, knowing what you know at the end of the episode, it it it, it hits a sour note, but yeah. 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 Cuz he does affect his voice. In some, Abs- yeah. absolutely he does yes he does <laughs> and and also this i you know so that's very confusing to elaine but he also has a bunch of african masks hanging up and she's like oh okay she's like do they have any cultural well she asked if they have any cultural significance he's like well they're african and she's like oh okay so that kind of <laughs> he's like well south africa He's like, you know, my family lived there for a while, but we got out just in time. We got out for obvious reasons, as you understand, or something like that. And she's like, maybe? Which was just hilarious. (laughs) 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 So, out on the street. Oh, by the way, I do want to know what this rap song is. If we can figure out, because it sounded like a real song. It didn't sound like a Jonathan Wolf song, you know what I mean? So I'm wondering if they optioned, it didn't sound like a song I recognized, but I'm like, there's lyrics and a beat and, and a melody. I'm like, was this a real rap song? So I, I do want to find that out. Out on the street, George is standing there talking to FDR. We got freaking FDR showing up again. Franklin Delano Romanowski <laughs> from The Betrayal just earlier, and he's still selling hot dogs. And George is standing there just talking to him about selling hot dogs. And the Rosses walk out of the liquor store naturally. Uh, those drunk Rosses, and they they spot George and, and then just walk off. They don't say hi to him or anything like that, and he doesn't notice them. Down at Del Boca Vista in Florida, Jerry is awakened by his parents at 5.30 in the morning, and they said they let him sleep in. This begins some hilarious old people jokes. I got to say, I, I was cracking up at all of the old humor that they've managed to They you know go back to that mine of Del Boca Vista and still make me laugh with the jokes about the way old people live. But he's like, well, I, I guess I'm, out as, I'm up. I might as well give you your birthday present, Dad. And he pulls it out and he goes, oh, it's a radar detector. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry mentions he's never seen him go over 25. Uh, it's, but it's an, uh, it's an organizer. And I, this is some of this great old people humor because he's like, he explains that, you know, you got a deal on the street for 50 bucks. It might be hot. And he goes, Helen, he got me a, a tip calculator, a hot tip calculator. Because <laughs> Jerry's telling him all the stuff it can do. Like, email and fax. And I'm like, no way. How is that possible with, like, a Wi... I mean, Wi-Fi didn't exist in 98. I'm like, did we're... No. So were there cellular data plans that... There may have been. There may have been. Yeah, but how would he buy this thing in New York and then take it to Florida? It would be roaming constantly and just be racking up all of these crazy <laughs> data charges if the, i don't know how the, any of those any of those things connected i don't think any of them were able to get email or wi-fi on them i might be unless there was like they came with like some again i, I don't even know if usb was around but they might have come with some kind of connection to your computer and then if you dialed up to aol and downloaded your email to it maybe but i i it really seems like a technology that did not exist at, at the time <laughs> But I love, so he explains all that stuff. And then he's like, 
and it's got a calculator. He's like, oh, I can calculate the tip when we go out to dinner. He's like, I guess. And that's when he yells to Helen uh, about this. And I love her going, I'm right here. <laughs> he was. He told her the exact same thing that Jerry told her and, and uh, in, in a louder voice. And she's like standing right next to him. But it's at that point that Kramer barges in and goes directly to the Seinfeld's refrigerator as he would if he was at Jerry's place. And like he told Jerry, he's retired. So he has rented the apartment next door to the Seinfeld's and he's living it up at Del Boca Vista. <laughs> and we get a, a montage to some sweet big band music of him just destroying at ping pong and becoming Mr. Steel Yo Girl, dancing with all the ladies, but then dances a little too much. And the next scene we see is uh, an ambulance pulling away from... Oh my God. That's yeah. Jerry's go-to joke about the old people, them dying. <laughs> because that's how he was able to get that apartment is somebody died. Over at Monk's, George tells Elaine that she should just ask Daryl whether or not he's black and Elaine says that she she doesn't want him to know that she wants to know or whatever George is like maybe he's mixed and Elaine's like is that the right word he's like I really don't think we should be I really think we're not supposed to be talking about this (laughs) Um, that's when uh, George goes to the bathroom as Elaine gets up to go and the Rosses come in and mention oh we saw George in the city Uh, I thought he was out at his place in the Hamptons and Elaine just cracks up about George having a place in the Hamptons and says, I don't think so. But when George comes out and greets the Rosses, he maintains the lie and they let him. <laughs> it's interesting that they were dining at Monk's for some reason to me. I like I know, I know we had to run into them, but it seems like there's a lot of coincidental meetings at Monk's, you know, and, and it's just sort of sticking out to me in this last season. Uh, how many people just happened to be at Monk's at the exact same time. I mean, even earlier this episode, Elaine was eating there somewhere in the back without Jerry and George, who were were there. Like, they were kind of finished. They were finishing their meal, obviously, because the waitress came to get the check. And, and when the waitress came to get the check, what does Ruthie Cohen do? You know, who sits there at the cash register? <laughs> that just That's... occurred to me, too. <laughs> God. <laughs> What is her job? Takeout? Are people getting takeout <laughs> from monks? <laughs> Doesn't seem like the kind of thing. Uh, uh, back down in Florida, George, uh, Jerry and his parents are out at dinner, uh, and they're, they're, they're finishing up, and Morty is like, all right, time for my wizard tip calculator, and Jerry keeps insisting it does more stuff. He's like, <laughs> how does 12.4% sound for the tip? And Jerry goes, well, then your tip is... Four point three six 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 six, and his dad goes, "We'll round down." <laughs> God, uh, and it's great uh, as Helen says that Jerry is here because it'll take Morty's mind off of the condo election for president because he can't run now because he wasn't impeached, as he points out, but he did resign uh, in disgrace after at the other condo. And Helen's like, "Even so, the press would hound him. The press would bury him," <laughs> and. Jerry's like, what press? And she's like, the newsletter, the Boca Breeze. And uh, and Morty calls it a pink Okami rag. (laughs) (laughs) And Kramer comes in with with some other residents, and he got a date with that hot aquasize instructor, the young, hot, young aquasize instructor. And Jerry (laughs) points out, she's 50. Have we seen this joke before? Or have I just... Um, God, I have no idea. Yeah, it's like, uh, that, uh, that sounded so familiar but i went back and looked uh, and tried to find it in in other del boca vista episodes but i i, I could not um maybe when i listen to this i'll i'll try to do a, a longer search i kind of wanted to just get back to the episode but it sounded so familiar and i was like maybe i was just watching this extracurricularly or maybe it stuck with me for some reason i don't know it just it just sounded so familiar 
But Marty, <laughs> uh, uh, Morty gets very excited, and he says Kramer's going to be the next president of Del Boca Vista Phase 3. <laughs> Over at Daryl's, which we get a different exterior of Daryl's this time, or maybe it's the back of the building or something, I don't know, but it, it's definitely not the same green awning. It's like two white awnings side by side, and I did not look up what this building is, but Elaine is giving Daryl a wizard organizer, and the first thing she wants to do is fill out the warranty card. Because specifically, there's a line for race. And <laughs> he says Asian. And she's like, well, well, well yeah. I, I, before before he says that, I like his uh, line saying, isn't that optional? And Elaine's <laughs> like, it it definitely should be. Yeah. But we, we should fill it out anyway. It's none of their damn business. <laughs> and he says Asian. And she's like, what? She looks puzzled. And he's like, just to mess with them. <laughs> and then he says, income over $100,000. And she's she goes, really? And he's like, is that important? She's like, no, but it's very nice to know. Echoing back oh, to God. her conversation about race. It would just be nice to know. But yeah. that is very nice to know for her. And now we know, living at 6 West 77th Street, he's doing good. He's doing good. Uh, back down at Del Boca Vista, Jerry is on the phone with Elaine, who is at his apartment. This is where I noticed Superman is on the shelf. Uh, I know we've been in the apartment already, but I, I I don't know if Superman was in the shot. But here's where I noticed him. And Elaine is still confused about Daryl's race. So to compensate, she's just been going out to a bunch of Spanish restaurants. And Jerry's <laughs> like, how is that, uh, you know, how does that cover anything? Kramer is running against, uh, you know, is running for president, Jerry clues Elaine into, and he's running against common sense and a guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> George comes into Jerry's, and Jerry panics, but Elaine blurts out that she's getting Jerry's mail, and so George is obviously hurt that he didn't ask him, but Jerry invents a job on the spot, pretty much, it sounds like, and tells George that he has to come by twice a day to flush the toilets so the gaskets don't dry out. It's very important you exercise the gaskets. <laughs> and Elaine asks why the Rosses think George has a place in the Hamptons. And we get a great series runner here where George is almost about to sit down and put all of his weight on the couch, but he stops right in the middle and stands back up. <laughs> We've seen that a couple times, and it, it's one of my favorites. She's like, why do they think you have a place in the Hamptons? He's like, because I told them I bought a house in the Hamptons. <laughs> She's like, well, I told him you didn't. And I laughed. <laughs> like, Elaine is the Patrick Bateman of this episode. Just like, you know, it's completely non-feeling, like introducing them as, you know, my friend. Like, anybody else who realized you blew up your friend's lie would go like, oh, shit, dude, I'm sorry. But she is delighting in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and George is so angry at the Rosses for letting him continue to lie. He calls them liars. And is like, you know what? I'm going to invite them out to my place in the Hamptons. So we'll see who blinks first as far as, you know, because uh, I know they lie, but they don't know that I know that they're lying. And so we'll see. Hey, you. Do you want more No Hugging, No Learning? Subscribe to our Patreon today for our full archive of exclusive bullshit movie reviews and content that gets cut from our weekly episodes for various reasons. Join the It's a Hyundai tier for just five bucks a month and get access to everything. Click the link in the description or just go to patreon.com slash no hugging and sign up today. I wonder if I can do this like a monster truck show announcer. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Patreon.com slash no hugging. Uh, back down to Del Boca Vista. Kramer is glad handing. 
the uh, electoral, uh, all the people. Did, did Here's a weird thing. When he says a vote for me is a vote for Kramer, which is a funny line, by the way, <laughs> he did like a heel snap and a Sig Heil. Yeah. Um, what the? <laughs> don't know what that was about. I had, uh, like, I, I rewound it because, like, I missed something in a previous scene and... and and then when I saw that for like the second or third time, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that might work on them. <laughs> like if you're campaigning at a retirement community now, that that might work. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, like where like in this breakfast room or, or dinner room, like in, the, in this dining room, let's say like Newsmax would definitely be on. <laughs> Uh, and and you could campaign with a heel snap and a sig heil, but it was just really weird. And it was the little one; it was the heil five, like uh, Jerry called it in the dealership. And uh, so he's cutting meat uh, for this old lady. We get we get a montage of the Boca Breeze spinning towards the television, <laughs> like the classic, you know, newspaper spinning uh, move uh, transition. He's kissing the the a baby in a stroller. An obviously fake doll, a baby doll. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know if that was supposed to be that obvious in HD, but it's like definitely a plastic doll. And then he does the same thing, like pinching the cheeks and, and poking a guy in a wheelchair who pulls up. And he's throwing a vote for Kramer sticker on an ambulance as it leaves. And he, he, the Boca Breeze is saying, you know, like Kramer ahead in the polls and stuff like that. Did you notice the sub headlines on the Boca Breeze? I did. I was going to point them out if you didn't bring them up. Yeah. <laughs> This was there a great were, sight gag, too. We had uh, Larry David gets hole in one. <laughs> Larry David hurts elbow. Larry David never to play golf again. <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny um, mentions of the co-creator and uh, former executive producer. Yeah, pretty awesome. And, and I noticed in that uh, in the third one, you can obviously make out the Laura Mipsum placeholder font that they just kind of oh, left really? there. Oh, really? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that definitely was probably a lot grainier in... Uh, standard def but yeah i thought that was that's what one thing i also didn't ca- you know I, I rewound i was like wait a sec i think i caught the second one and i was like wait a second was there one in the first one too hilarious um <laughs> over at monks uh, elaine is there eating with daryl the waitress asks immediately are, are you for after they ask for coffee she asks are you black or do you want some sugar <laughs> or do you want me to bring some sugar ah. yeah or cream or whatever and he's like um yeah but then he you know elaine is like reading way too much into this but he goes oh i'm black oh you know what bring a little cream or something like that i never as much as i've seen this episode i never actually heard what the couple next to their table said but i've turned on captions and you can kind of hear it too they go look at that somebody like grumbles (laughs) look at that and daryl gets very upset because he's like can you believe that some people are still uncomfortable with an interracial couple and elaine's like yes because we're an interracial couple. <laughs> and Elaine is ecstatic and relieved while saying stuff like, that is racist. <laughs> <laughs> um, out on the street, George is picking up the Rosses to head out to the Hamptons. And he's still trying to call their bluff. And he's like, speak now, because it's a two-hour drive. And once we get in the car, we are heading to the Hamptons. And they get in the car. <laughs> they can't wait. And he gives a great line that I know was a Batman reference to the Michael Keaton Batman. You want to get nuts? All right, let's get nuts. <laughs> uh, Michael Keaton says that to the Joker. Jack Nicholson's the Joker in that uh, original Tim Burton's Batman. Back down in Del Boca Vista. Tomorrow is the election. The polls close right after dinner at 3 p.m. Hilarious. Old people humor. <laughs> I also love that uh, the celebration, one when we win, we'll go till the break of 8 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> 
And but the Boca breeze is out, and Helen brings it in, and the headline is Kramer, candidate Kramer caught barefoot in the clubhouse. And this was one of my favorite lines. He's like, because Jerry's dead serious in this moment. He's like, Kramer, these people wait their whole lives to move down here and enforce these rules. I forget what else he says, but that's the <laughs> one that he's like, he's like dead serious that, uh, and I also liked earlier, I forget when he said it, but he's like, oh yeah, it was when Kramer first comes. He's like, Kramer, what are you doing here? He's like, this is where people come to die. And both of his parents look at him and he's like, not you two, older people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Morty is like, this is a scandal. This is a huge scandal. We have to do damage control. And uh, Kramer, you know, is like, well, what if we give a tip, ca- one of these tip calculators to every member of the condo board? Because Jerry got this great deal on him. And there's 20 people on the condo board, which even at $50 is still $1,000. Like, I know Jerry's yeah. I know Jerry's rolling in it, but that's still a lot to spend on your dad's puppet regime at his retirement community, you know? But it, but 1000 bucks is nothing to Jerry. But I guess whatever 20 times 2000 is, uh, 40000 Yeah, I guess, it's, I guess it'd be 40000 right? Is that right? Nah. Hold up. Wait. It would just be times oh, 4000 4, yeah. 4,000. I was, was yeah. going to say, I'm like, I, I think you got an extra zero in there. Yeah, but for some reason, I was doing 20 times 2,000 <laughs> and not 200. I don't know why. Yeah. So, but that, yeah. So I don't know. He probably wouldn't even blink at that. <laughs> but don't, but Jerry says, you know, he didn't get a deal. And Kramer's like, don't worry. I can get a deal from Bob Sacamano's father. <laughs> so I like that no matter where Kramer goes, there's a Sacamano looking out for him. Uh, a Bob Sacamano, for that matter. Uh, in George's car, uh, the Rosses are in the back seat, and he's driving to the Hamptons. He's describing the house to them. You know, the master bedroom goes into a solarium, another solarium. He's got two solarium. <laughs> he also has horses, Snoopy and Prickly Pete. And uh, Su- uh, Susan's mom doubles down and says, oh, look, an antique store. Pull over. We'll get you a housewarming gift. And George pulls over. Uh, back down at Monk's, Elaine says to the African-American waitress, who's like, oh, I just worked a triple shift, or I'm just i just getting off a double or something like that. And, and Elaine's like, oh, I hear you, sister. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, this is, this is uh, the most problematic, and we can debate on what that means, what degree it is, of the whole thing, because the waitress, waitress is like, sister? And she's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. My boyfriend's black. And it's at that point that Daryl comes in and he goes, I'm black. And Elaine goes, aren't you? And I love the waitress's line here. I'll give you a minute to decide. <laughs> I'll that give you a couple minutes great. to decide. Yeah, that hilarious. was great. Oh, my God. <laughs> but so what is the deal with Elaine? Because I started thinking, I was like, does Elaine think she has an N-word pass, too? If she has. <laughs> if she has. Uh... <laughs> is Elaine going Tarantino on us? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why does. But also, I thought it was weird that the waitress took that much. Uh, I won't say offense, but at the, that the waitress even noticed that Elaine said sister. It was like, you guys are both women. It wasn't really that. It's not like she said sista. She really did say sister. It was. She went hard R <laughs> on the sister. Oh, Christ. <laughs> oh, um, God. So I, I, find, I, thought, I think the waitress was a little too touchy about that. Uh, but the 90s were maybe a different time. I don't know. Maybe maybe calling each other brother and sister was uh, more loaded than it is now. But so where did you fall on that? Um, I don't know. I mean, the weird the weird thing is that Elaine was saying it because her boyfriend's black. She so, she was. Yeah. yeah she, she, she was saying it in that way. But yeah. uh, it, it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't feel good. Yeah, I see. I, 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 I don't think it, it. It is the most problematic thing in this episode, but it is still like a one 
on the scale to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think I think so. I don't think it's so. Su- I don't think it's very supremely offensive. Um, <laughs> but again, we are two white guys saying this. So <laughs> please, if you have other, <laughs> if you have other thoughts on it, please let us know. So she's she mentions to Daryl. She's like, but you said we we're an interracial couple. He's like, yeah, because you're Hispanic. <laughs> she's like, I am. Why did you think I was Hispanic? He's like, your last name is Benes. Your hair. You were taking me to all the Spanish restaurants. <laughs> God. And I've always loved him pointing out that her last name is Benes. It, it does seem like a, an Hispanic last name, and and she has that like thick curly black hair. I'm like, I guess you can't blame Daryl either for all of this. <laughs> Um, and this is funny too. Like, so they both kind of lean back and he's like, so we're just, uh, and he almost wants to whisper this too. Cause he's, he's almost like disgusted by it. He's like, so we're just a couple of white people. <laughs> and it's like, I, I guess so. Like she's, he's disgusted and she's disappointed. And then we get the line. So you, uh, you just want to go to the gap? And he's like, yeah, sure. Let's go. <laughs> so it, that was kind of hacky, but I feel like Seinfeld was on the forefront of, gap equals white ha 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 humor you know like in 98 i feel like that wasn't as well-worn territory as it is now yeah i uh, feel like now you could definitely say let's go to target yeah target would be a funny yeah definitely target is definitely replaced i'm just thinking about every trey kennedy video mentioning target and uh oh my God. <laughs> yeah and then yeah my wife loves them <laughs> but she loves target too so back down at Del Boca Vista, all the tip calculators that Bob Sacramento's dad got a deal on are over tipping and they grab it and it's not a wizard. It's a Willard, which is a great, <laughs> <laughs> like a great Times Square parody of, uh, you know, the, ele- you know, the electronics that you buy that say, yeah, like, yeah, like, like it, it's not a Rolex. It's a Rolex. Yeah, yeah. Or, or a Sani, not a Sony, you know, <laughs> like, wait a second. <laughs> Uh, and Cra- so you know Kramer's ruined uh, the the board pre- the board is yelling like everybody vote for the guy in the wheelchair and Kramer's like all right I'm going back to New York City and it's at this point so I thought that uh, that was a good end of the episode and this end of the episode was uh, I didn't like it was a little more hacky because you know Jerry Jerry says I'm sorry I'm sorry dad like if Jerry should be sorry to anybody his dad is a good person to be sorry to out of one person in his entire life but it still sounded weird coming out of anybody's mouth in the big four like I'm sorry dad I almost expected like some piano music to start playing like (laughs) I'm sorry dad I I, I, didn't get a deal it was 200 bucks and his dad yells you paid 200 bucks for a tip calculator and Jerry goes it does other things things and that's the end of the episode but it was so weird and sitcommy that i didn't like it it's almost like for the final scene we need like uh, a bumper that says this week the role of jerry seinfeld will be played by fred savage <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it was very it was very sitcommy but the epilogue we get george pulling up to a beach night has fallen they're at as <laughs> mr ross says we're at the end of long island and george says <laughs> well we have to go the rest of the way on foot and it's at that point he he turns to start walking like they're like all right let's go like she puts her arm around her you know Mr. Ross's arm and that finally breaks George George breaks and he is like down on his knees like begging why did you let me drive all the way out here why did you let me keep lying to you that I have a place in the Hamptons even though you knew and they just simply say back to him we don't like you George and we always <laughs> and we've always blamed you for what happened to Susan <laughs> And then they're like, all right, let's head back. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was so good. I mean, yeah, that that saved the entire episode from that like questionable ending. I mean, George will never get got like that as badly. I mean, that's just like just delicious revenge served ice cold. It's so funny. I was like, man, the Rosses played this so unbelievably well. It was just so funny to see George just a husk, like literally down on his knees and them just like just driving a stake right into his heart. And you know what? We do blame you for what happened to Susan. All right, let's head. Now we have a more than two hour drive back to the city <laughs> with you. And we're both going to sit in the back seat. That's crazy to me, too. Like, um, I know there are a couple and everything, but someone sits in the front seat. You know, Mrs. Ross sits in the front seat. But nope. <laughs> George is like their their chauffeur. So, all right, that's the end of the episode. Oh, man. All right. What do we got for homework this week? Uh, really just, I want to see if I can find out what that rap song is. Okay. If it's a real rap song or, a, or maybe it was Jonathan Wolf spitting some rhymes. All right. Uh, what do you like for cover art? Good question. I mean, should it be something down at Del Boca Vista? Potentially. Do you want me to try and get the, uh, the Sig Heil from Kramer? Oh my gosh. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. I think, I think people would appreciate that once they listen to it then and go, okay, the long game. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had Kramer retires in Florida, period. Jerry buys Morty a gadget, period. George lies about a house in the Hamptons, period. Elaine wonders if her boyfriend is black. Dang. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I hated as much as... Or I didn't really hate it at the beginning. I thought we could make it better, but now I'm wondering... Now I'm figuring out what I... I'm trying to figure out what I thought was going to be so easy. I was like, oh, I hear a couple of things we can delete, but I, I, I like maybe saying that... What about... I don't know. George is caught in a lie, something like that. Um, or George is caught in a lie. Well, you don't really need to bring the Rosses into it. I, I would love to, though, but I guess that's the only thing that I... What do you think? <laughs> oh, God. I don't um, really see much that I, yeah Kramer retires yeah I mean other Kramer than like gadget. the normal I hate it because it's four separate sentences yeah yeah um it's not awful it's not bad yeah I mean you you may be Jerry um no that that really yeah it's not bad I I, I really can't do anything with it except yeah no I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't do anything with it now I I, I don't know what I th- was thinking before maybe just because Jerry and Kramer are in the same place you might might have been able to marry them together but because I was thinking like you know Kramer wants Jerry uh, no see I, I was just gonna make it a, a whole paragraph but somehow <laughs> Mary that Kramer wants Jerry to buy more of the gadget he bought his dad to help him win the election blah 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 you know like somehow make that shorter but that I that general idea but I don't think there's any way I don't think there's a way all right yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. All right. I'm fine with it the way it is. We'll keep it. All right. Um. So next week, or I guess, what did you think of the episode before we get into next week? I thought it was really funny. I got some good laughs out of it. I did not star it, but I I, I thought it was a great episode. It, you know, just a good baseline episode. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I I liked it less than episodes in like our last couple of weeks, and I didn't star those, but I did mm. still like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the last two episodes I, that I did star, I think are going to be low, may not even appear on the list. So I think I, I think I landed on the same thing. I was like, this. Even the last episode was a little all over the place as far as storylines go. This one is like geographically all over the place. You know, it's Jerry and Kramer <laughs> down in Florida, and Elaine and George up in New York, and they kind of intersect. It's weird when they're apart like this, and and especially you know the the George and Elaine relationship is not really explored very much. So. 
it's yeah. interesting that they were even choosing in the universe to spend time together, like going to monks together and stuff like that. It's like because the glue was not really there, you know. But yeah, it was funny. I got a, I got a ton of laughs and all the old po- old people humor. I thought was some of the best. So yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, next week we have got season nine, episode sixteen, the burning. Ah, uh, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. Original air date March nineteenth. 1998 wow. we are skipping ahead i i believe it's three more weeks let me yeah, at least let me check on this it's um yeah we're skipping ahead three more weeks wow <laughs> stretch it out absolutely <laughs> uh if we're if we're the nbc execs we we want to <laughs> milk this for as long as possible because we know we're not gonna have any good shows for the next 22 years <laughs> i mean friends was still on <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, if you're looking at TV Guy the night of March th- March 19th, 1998, you're going to see Kramer and Mickey act out medical scenes. Putty tells Elaine he's a religious. Jerry's girlfriend uh, says, it's me. And uh, George tries to go out on a high note. I think I think we maybe even try to make Jerry's better. Uh, I, I can already hear it, but there's some good stuff. I'm glad Putty's back. I'm glad Mickey's back. Uh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I think we got another good episode on deck. Nice. All righty. All right. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.